of us who've been healthy our whole lives, the most terrifying aspect of Lyme disease is the drugs that we have to start taking, the drugs to start feeling better again. When I got Lyme eight years ago, I just wasn't into taking prescription drugs. I really resisted it and never up to that point had I needed to. So is there a more holistic way of dealing with Lyme and potential co-infections? Can we take fewer drugs? On this Looking at Lyme podcast, we're going to go au naturel and talk to an expert about that very thing. It's an intriguing alternative, using herbal medicine and supplements to treat Lyme, even for people with chronic Lyme. But does it work? Dr. Alexis Chesney knows it can. She's a naturopathic physician, acupuncturist, educator, and now an author. She works full-time in Vermont, and that is where we have reached her. Hello, Alexis, and thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Hi, Sarah. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. How did you become interested in treating patients with tick-borne illnesses? Uh, Well, um, back in medical school, a friend of mine came down with a mysterious illness that ended up being Lyme. So, um, you know, we spent a lot of time together studying. We'd go on walks, and slowly I saw her deteriorate with some symptoms like pains and trouble breathing and uh, all these things that seemed pretty odd for an otherwise young, healthy person. Um, So then I got interested in... um, you know, the medical side of things in addition to the personal impact that it had. Now, I understand you're in Vermont, and I'm just curious, do you prescribe antibiotics there as well? Um, I do, yeah. So I have full prescribing rights here. I use pharmaceutical antibiotics and uh, other pharmaceuticals like disulfiram, which um, at the conference, if you, if you were there for the next day, there was a presentation by Dr. Liegner on that, which was really interesting. Um, And then I use a lot of herbal medicine as well and natural supplements. Do you sort of blend those combinations of both antibiotics and pharmaceuticals? I do, yeah. I think um, in the beginning of Lyme treatment or tick-borne disease treatment, the pharmaceutical antibiotics might be more effective. And then over time, they really lose the efficacy. And um, I will always use more than just a pharmaceutical antibiotic because we want to get to all the ways Lyme exists and hide. Uh, Most antibiotics do not get to the round form or the biofilm um, regarding Lyme. So we want to make sure to add other uh, herbal medicines like knotweed, cat's claw, um, you know, other companies like Byron White formulas or Nutramedics. I use different products. And then over time, I usually move on to uh, an herbal-only or natural-only regimen, and I see that that works really well. I remember when I was first diagnosed, one of the first things that I tried was uh, wormwood, and perhaps my dosage was too high because I had a really strong reaction to it, probably a Herxheimer reaction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Herbal medicine can be very strong. Some people don't realize that. So a Herxheimer reaction is a worsening of symptoms that happens when you kill off a bacteria like um, Borrelia burgdorferi, which is the cause of Lyme, and then you have this um, toxin release from the bacteria, which causes these worsenings to happen. 
Um, so if somebody has, you know, say the classic picture, which is not always the case, but the classic picture of, you know, moving joint and muscle pains um, of Lyme disease, then those can get worse when you first start treatment, which usually happens within the first two weeks of treatment. And then I'd recommend a lot of uh, supportive therapies like um, herbals that help with detox or glutathione, um, doing things like, uh, you know, making sure to look at diet and drinking enough water, et cetera. And that usually helps people get through that Herxheimer reaction. But it is a sign that, yes, in fact, there's Lyme and Lyme is causing these symptoms. So it can be really helpful to, to notice what that's like because then we might have other tick-borne diseases in the picture and it can help us clarify, you know, what symptoms are attributed to which pathogens as we go through this exploration with a patient. You live in an endemic area for Lyme disease and tick-borne illnesses. What other co-infections are you seeing in the Vermont and Maine area? Yes, uh, Lyme disease is certainly the biggest one. Um, and in the United States, anyway, um, the New, New England area like Vermont, Maine, and New Hampshire are always um, the top few in the incidence of the United States. Um, and then also uh, Vermont was number one for anaplasma recently. Uh, so anaplasma is a, another bacteria that's carried by deer ticks or black-legged ticks that are endemic in this area, and that causes anaplasmosis. So um, it has a similar treatment as Lyme, which is really nice that there's overlap there. Um, it can p- provide a little bit more of an acute onset with high fever that brings people to the hospital. Um, and so it, it's actually easily treated. So that's really nice about anaplasmosis. Another co-infection or tick-borne disease on its own even would be babesiosis, which is caused by babesia, which is a protozoa. So it's treated differently um, from a bacteria like Lyme or anaplasmosis. Um, so that can be a tricky one. Now, you know, we don't have... Um, a high amount of cases, but we are seeing that there's an increase from year to year in babesiosis. Uh, And in a lot of my chronic infection cases, I definitely see babesia can be a part of the picture. So I think that's an important one to look for, um, as well as Bartonellosis, which is caused by Bartonella, uh, another bacteria, which is actually flea-borne. We're not sure if it's transmitted by ticks, Uh, It might be. I I would suspect it is, but it hasn't been proven. Um, But a lot of times people with Bartonella have a history of flea bites uh, or cat scratches. Um, So that's another uh, common uh, co-infection, you know, as we call it, that I see in this area. Now, I know some people prefer not to use pharmaceuticals for various reasons, whether it's financial or because they would prefer to do herbal treatments. Where would somebody go to find good information about herbal resources? Great question. Um, yeah, so um, have you heard of Stephen Buhner, I imagine? Yes, I have. <laughs> yes. So he's an amazing herbalist and researcher, and he has some books out, one of which is Healing Lyme. Um, so it is packed with information, a lot of research on these herbs, and some resources as to where you can find them to purchase yourself. Um, And then he has two books on co-infections, which are great, um, as well as a plethora of other books on other topics. Um, 
so that he's a great resource. He has a website as well. Um, and then for herbs that he speaks about, especially like cat's claw, knotweed, wormwood, uh, andrographis, et cetera, you can buy those herbs at um, Woodland Essence, and you can find them online. Um, actually, in Canada, you have Herbie's Herbs, and they're awesome. Um, they actually have cryptolepis. It's the only source of cryptolepis in North America that I know of. So, um, you know, that's where we source that herb. Uh, that's especially effective in treating uh, babesiosis. And actually, there was a study two years ago about cryptolepis and its efficacy in um, killing Lyme or Borrelia um, in the lab. So that's pretty pretty amazing. Um, yeah, and then mountain rose herbs. You can find some dried herbs there that you could then um, make your own tinctures um, from those. Um, I also use a lot of Nutramedics products. You can find them online, Byron White formulas. Um, if you're interested in making herbal formulas, um, actually in my book, Preventing Lyme and Other Tick-Borne Diseases, I have a chapter on how to make your own tinctures in a way that really um, acquires the medicinal value of the plants. You know, it's, um, it's a complicated process, so you have to be really uh, willing to put in the time and effort to do it. Um, so if you wanted to make your own herbal tinctures, you can totally do that, and that you will save a lot of money that way. Um, but you can also just buy the tinctures from these other companies and then combine the herbs yourself. How did you come to the decision to put all the time and effort into writing a book? Oh, over time, you know, I, I, I treat a lot, mostly um, people that are chronically ill. And I would see somebody recover from and do well, um, symptom-free, um, without any symptoms of Lyme or tick-borne disease, which is great. You know, they're back to enjoying their lives. And then they'd come in with a new tick bite or a bullseye rash or something like that. You know, we have so many ticks in this area. It's a beautiful place that we live. People love being outdoors and doing out activities outdoors, which, which is great. I do too. Um, but I think that, you know, it takes a lot of uh, attention to prevention to do those activities and, and really prevent tick bites and Lyme disease. So, um, you know, I, I talk about it with patients. I'd always try and get it in there in the conversations that I would have about tick bite prevention and and then I would have this handout, and eventually the handout just got longer and longer and longer about all these ideas. So, um, you know, people would say, well, you should write a book. And I was like, you know, I really should. <laughs> so um, I'm really passionate about um, preventing Lyme because at this point we don't have a cure. You know, we can't really say that Lyme is, is curable. I think I see people do well. They resolve their symptoms. My goal is always to, to get to that point. And maybe it's a cure, but we don't know. You know, we don't have an effective vaccine. We don't have just one-size-fits-all treatment for everybody that always works. Um, so I think really prevention is the cure at this point. So I really want to equip people with the information that they need in order to prevent these diseases. Um, you know, the book has um, tick identification information and um, color drawings of ticks because I think it's really important to um, educate both practitioners and patients and just, you know, the public about what ticks look like, what to look for, you know, how small they are and what they look like. And then you can actually, if you had a tick bite, you could save it and send it out to be tested. Or at least they'll know, okay, let's see if we can identify this. Is this a tick that could carry pathogens or not? 
what pathogens and therefore what symptoms am I looking for for which diseases after getting this tick bite. Um, but then it's also, you know, loaded with information about um, tick repellents and preventative methods like, you know, making sure to do tick checks and what that really means, um, prophylactic formulas, uh, using permethrin on your clothing as a preventative measure, you know, all, all those kinds of things as well. Well, that's great. I'm definitely going to buy one of your books and have a read through that. That's a great resource. And we will post a link on our episode notes so that people can have a look at that information as well. Oh, great. I'm so glad. Yeah. Um, I Because um, the book came out in March and I had a whole schedule of events um, in person that, you know, had to be canceled. Um, I created a page, if people are interested, on my website, you can get a, a book signed and sent to you if you so desire, since we don't have the opportunity to do these things in person. Um, otherwise, it's, it's available um, at your local bookseller, anywhere you buy books, uh, Amazon, online. So you can, you can find it anywhere through um, Story Publishing. They were a great publisher to work with. Oh, that's great. You know, we have a similar story with this podcast because we were going to do events and then we had to pivot because of COVID. And that is how we decided to start a podcast. <laughs> so you never oh, know. You oh, never wonderful. know how things are going to evolve. <laughs> do you work with a herbalist in your practice? I do. Um, Bonnie Bloom, who I mentioned in the book, um, is wonderful. Um, she has, uh, and actually you could, you could find her online, Blue Crow Botanicals. Um, so she makes all of the tinctures that we use. Um, well, we, we use other tinctures as well, but any, any tinctures that we use regarding like the Buna herbs that I just mentioned, she, um, makes a lot of her own medicine. And then if it's not available in her garden or if she doesn't have the fresh, or dried herbs to make her own tinctures with. She'll, you know, get it through woodland essence or herbies herbs, et cetera. So I, I did collaborate with her on parts of the book to make sure to, uh, especially that chapter, um, you know, I have a lot of gratitude uh, for her and sharing her process. So it's her process that I share regarding making um, the deer tick bite formula. Um, and yeah, so we have at Sojourns Community Health Clinic is, is the clinic that I work at. So we, um, uh, we have all of her um, tinctures that I use, like those tick bite formulas, or, you know, I call something Lime Formula One, which has cat's claw knotweed, andrographis, and Chinese cat's claw. You know, I, we have all these, you know, particular formulas that I use with patients. Do you ever work uh, in collaboration with medical physicians as well, medical doctors? I do, yeah. Um, so, um, actually, they're not here anymore, but um, we had an MD here. Two, two different MDs here for a period of time. They've moved on um, or retired. So um, that was great. Um, I just trained a nurse practitioner, actually. Um, so she's been here for maybe nine months or so. And that, that's been great. So now, because um, my practice has um, you know, been growing and we've needed more, more people to uh, specialize in Lyme here and certainly in New England. So um, she's... Um, also available now. Um, and then in the area, um, certainly people referred to me, you know, other um, naturopathic doctors, nurse practitioners, and some, some MDs, DOs. Um, yeah. yeah. That's great. I think that's a really good way to treat the patient holistically. Yeah, I think that's so important. I always uh, want somebody to have a primary care 
you know, as they go through this process, which, which they should have anyway, but, you know, um, and then sometimes it is important to see a specialist like a neurologist or cardiologist, depending on what's going on, um, and communicating about what's going on is certainly important. Yeah. Now, if you could look into the future, how would you, how could you potentially see our success so that we have less people with tick-borne illnesses in the future? Really, prevention is our cure at this point, you know, until the the perfect treatment or vaccine comes along. So, um, yeah, I would love people to uh, just be aware of ticks and Lyme disease and tick-borne disease and take the measures that it takes to really prevent tick bites. Or if, if you were to get a tick bite, then treat that immediately um, and know what to do in these cases, right? Because even if you, you know, if we can't prevent 100% of tick bites, which would be awesome, if that's maybe not realistic, um, if we could at least have the awareness raised so that physicians and practitioners, you know, everybody gets on the same page with being aware of and looking for these symptoms and knowing how to treat tick bites then I think that's going to really decrease the amount of chronic illness we have. If you treat Lyme uh, acutely uh, for long enough with the right treatment, right, which is different than just three weeks of doxycycline, um, then we can really put it behind people. I mean, I love seeing people uh, come in with a bullseye rash because I, I know that they're going to be okay. Like, we're, we're really going to treat this in the right way long enough. They're going to be symptom-free. It, it's, it's wonderful. I love that quote. Prevention is the cure. And on that note, thank you so very much for your time, Alexis. Well, thank you, Sarah. Wow, I really can't say that enough. Prevention is the cure. That is the best thing, just not to get bitten by a tick in the first place. Or if you do, know what to do and know how to find a Lyme literate physician or Lyme literate naturopathic physician. Her book sounds so fascinating, and I am going online to order it right now. Thanks for listening to this Can Lyme podcast. Stay safe in the outdoors. Mm-hmm.